Today on Investing in Cannabis, we have Yoni Ophir, founder of LEAF. LEAF is an automated smartphone-controlled cannabis growing system. Follow our show, at Cannabis Pod, on Twitter and Instagram, and like us on Facebook by searching Investing in Cannabis. Enjoy the show. What's good, everybody? Welcome to Investing in Cannabis. I'm your host, Brandon David. This is the show that we talk to early stage uh, cannabis founders as well as investors that want to give them money for some crazy reason. Today on the show, we're super lucky to have founder and CEO of Leaf, Yoni Ophir. What's up, Yoni? How you doing? Good, man. Good to be here. Yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on. Why don't you just start? What, what is Leaf? So Leaf is an all-in-one system that automatically grows cannabis and is controlled by your smartphone. Pretty simple, it's a system that allows anyone to grow high quality cannabis with or without previous knowledge. Boom. You say it so casually, but this is like an amazing thing. It's a, it's a great thing. I mean, you know, I think it's great. I guess you think it's pretty cool. Um, but I also think it's really powerful, right? Because growing your own cannabis can be a very difficult process. Um, and that's a pretty big barrier to entry. We want to remove those barriers to entry and just allow anyone to grow their own medicine. So kind of what I've heard, I have like a black thumb. I have no green thumb. But what I've heard is that growing cannabis is not too difficult, but growing really good cannabis is really hard. Would you, would you agree with that? You know, I think that it's more of the preparation that you have to do. So again, going back to barriers to entry, you, if you can invest the time in it, and if you can close off a room in your home or you could put a, a big refrigerator size uh, tent in your living room, then you, know, you can make it happen. It's not necessarily difficult, but it is time consuming, uh, both on the maintenance side and on acquiring the knowledge side. Um, in general, you can do it, but all those barriers to entry make it so that the, the typical person that works a nine to five um, it's very difficult. It's time consuming, basically. Time right? consuming. Researching, learning how to do it, as well as the maintenance and everything else. So how did you come up with this idea? What, what's the origins of, of LEAF? I just wanted it for myself. <laughs> you know, I had, um, uh, after the military, I moved to California, to Los Angeles. I had a medical card, and that allows you to grow up to six plants. So I wanted to do that uh, for my own satisfaction. Also, I was like a broke college kid, so I thought that I'd be able to save money. And I did do that. And I knew sort of what the pain points were, right? So I, I was living, I had a one bedroom. I didn't have roommates. I could do it. Um, I had plenty of time, um, but I knew what the pain points were. So I was just building this for myself and any person that saw it instantly was like, how do I buy one? Mm. Mm. And when you hear enough of those, you're like, well, doesn't this already exist? That was sort of how I got into it. Mm. Um, so you had sort of a prototype running in your apartment and people saw it or you were just talking about the idea? I was talking about it. it. Um, so years ago I had grown, but I was now working on some of the electronics and people were asking me, you know, what are you up to these days? And that was the project that I was doing and everyone wanted one. Mm -hmm. So that just makes you look at the market and say, well, why doesn't this exist? Um, and it should. It should. Well, it does. It does it now. Does, it does now. It does now. Do you have an engineering background, or how did you figure out you could build build this? I don't have an engineering background. Um, 
So I do have some previous experience in hardware startups. I founded a company in 2011 called Alkahoot. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, we created the world's first smartphone breathalyzer. So through that, I did that for three years and then we uh, exited from the company successfully. Congratulations. That's, thank you. And so through that, all that experience, um, I was in charge of all the engineers, both software and hardware, our manufacturing facility in China. So I picked up a few things. Um, and uh, I wanted to, I, I figured that I could do at least a basic thing on my own. Mm -hmm. And that's how, that's how this process started, started going. Got it. So tell me a little bit about those early stages. Like, how do you come up with the design? Somebody help you with the design and then you go to manufacturing. This hardware is hard, right? I'm just yeah. baffled by the whole process. So normally you start off with some kind of thesis on a product that you want to make um, and you prototype it as quickly and as, as ugly as possible. It doesn't need to look nice. Uh, and that's what we did. You know, we built uh, a wooden box with uh, some Arduino sensors, uh, lighting off the shelf from Amazon, and basically just whatever we could kind of mix and match together um, to make a functional prototype. So that was the first stage, and that's very much all handmade. Um, I recruited engineers to do that. Actually, I recruited most of the engineers from Alkahoot. Oh, very nice. So we had already worked together, and also the industrial designers from there came onto this. Um, we all transitioned from uh, booze to bud, we like to say. <laughs> and we started building, and we realized that, all right, let's take a lot of the elements, really, that we did with Alkahoot. Let's take something that is difficult, expensive, and horrible design, like breathalyzers used to be, and let's just put that into this product. So we came up with some concept designs. Um, we had the functional prototypes. And then now we have um, fully functional design prototypes. It looks nice. It works right. Um, but that's, you know, you, you start off by prototyping. And when was that moment, maybe you have the prototype or the design, and you're like, shit, this is, this is going to work probably? Is it going to work like, is the product going to work or as a business, is it going to be successful? Both good questions. I don't know. When. All right. So we knew it was going to work from the beginning. We knew that because uh, I had already grown. A few of the other team members have, had grown before on an amateur level. But we also brought in some horticulturalists that you know, have been growing for 10, 15 years. And growing exists. You know, We just wanted to obviously growing exists, but the, the systems already exist. The lighting, the different sensors. We just wanted to automate the process and put it in a package that is accessible to anyone. So that we already knew we'd be able to do. As a business, we had no idea. You know, would people pay close to $1,500 for something, this, that, and whatnot? And that aha moment happened in May, early May. We had a website up, um, getleaf.co, and so there was some organic traffic there from different things, but one day someone posted a link to that website on Reddit, on the trees uh, subreddit, which is pretty popular, and it just shot up to like the top. Uh, we got 40,000 unique hits to the site that day, 853 early adopter signups, early adopters meaning people that want to purchase beta units. And that moment was like, and, and the spill off from that, obviously we got a, sh you know, a bunch of emails and- You can say shit, it's oh, cool. We got a shitload of emails, <laughs> uh, we still do today. And that was the moment where it was like, okay, people want this. Um, 
and uh, that really gave the team a whole like a big big boost yeah yeah they're all fired up then yeah um, i mean they were already all fired up um fired up um but <laughs> you know <laughs> but uh yeah that was that was obviously a, a, a big thing and um, we still have a lot of traffic coming in just from the, the spill-off of, of that, and that was in May. Mm. Yeah, kind of brings up another interesting question about growth in the cannabis industry. It, it's really hard with the traditional tech growth mechanism, you know, the channels, Twitter and Facebook. That, can you talk a little bit about how you use them and how you get around some of those, those policies? We haven't used really anything right now because we're not actively marketing. Um, we're still in product development, but I have seen a lot of my fellow cannabis industry startup mates, um, you know, you cannot do paid advertising on Google or Facebook or Twitter. And I even know a few startups that they're building ad networks for cannabis specifically mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. you just can't. Um, and it's either word of mouth, viral growth, um, individual posts, but nothing paid. And that's a big problem, right? Because problem. how do you scale like a traditional e-commerce business, let's say, if all you can do is SEO? Mm -hmm. Advertising is definitely something that's in the back of our mind, right? So like your company right here, if, if <laughs> no, I'm just playing around. <laughs> uh, it's like, cool. Ding. So you also, tell us a little bit more about the early adopter program, which I signed up, sounds amazing, but tell us how you get involved. So the early adopter program is basically, initially we had started off and we said we wanted a few people that would be willing to get our sort of half ready prototypes and give us feedback every day, grow basically together with us so that we can get great feedback from customers and iterate all the time as opposed to just, you know, with hardware. Once you make it, it's hard to make changes. So we wanted to build this together with real customers from different, different demographics. And then we know that with enough testers, once the product is out, we have a great chance that you know, it'll be easy, easy for anyone. Um, the way you get involved is getleaf.co. You can sign up. It takes a few minutes. We ask you a few questions um, just, to, just so we know a little bit about you. Um, up until now, we were only shipping in Colorado, but soon we're going to be shipping outside of Colorado, um, specifically to California. Yes. So yes. you guys are lucky. Yes. Um, and we're not currently going to be shipping to any states where marijuana is completely, completely illegal. Sure. Yeah. So only states where um, there's medicinal marijuana or legalized marijuana and they allow for home growing. So not all the medical states allow home grows. California, you can. So I'm part of the early adopter program now. Hopefully I get my leaf pretty soon. Yeah. And uh, so I don't know anything about growing anything. Like I can't grow basil, you know? So right. I get this out of the package and are there directions or how do, I, how do I get started? Well, let me ask you, can you use a smartphone app pretty easily? Uh, I Sometimes, yeah. So you're good to go. So basically, you know, uh, in the early adopter program, it'll be, like I said, not beautiful but the software will help you um, do everything. So for example, let's say you have seeds, then how do you germinate the seeds? What's the best way to put them into the system? Uh, things like that. If you are going from clones, then we'll also tell you how to do that. And then the system does a lot of the work automatically. The lighting cycles, the ventilation. Um, very important is the nutrient dosing and the pH balancing. 
So we do that automatically. That's kind of, those are the, the difficult kind of time consuming tasks that we take all the guesswork out of. So you really just need to look at your app from work or from anywhere, um, make sure that everything is at the right level. And for the things that we can't um, change automatically in the environment, we will tell you how to change them. Mm. So you might need to add more water into the hydroponic reservoir, um, things like that. So how many people are, are using it today? How many people are in that program? So we have two early adopter units um, out in the field and it's going really well, knock on wood. Um, I think this is wood. Maybe. I don't know if this is real wood, but we'll, we'll, we'll say it is. And we expect, you know, we're building them by hand. We're a small team, we're very, very fast. Um, and, you know, we're on a limited budget right now as we're, we're, during, we're doing our pre-seed round right now. Um, and we're just, we want to get them out as, as quickly as possible. Yeah. We want to get them to as many people as we can and, you know, as quickly as we can. So How long does it take you to build one? About a week. About a week. About a week if, if, our, if Zach, our hardware engineer, isn't focused on something else, um, about a week. Got it. And that's assuming we have all the materials and everything ready and to go. And what's your cost all in to, to build a leaf? So right now it's just it's crazy because you yeah. know we're we're Trend, just the, yeah. like the plastics are it's it's not sustainable. Um, but if you just take in bill of materials, it's about six hundred and twenty-five dollars okay. to seven hundred, depending on what lighting we use. And we've been trying out different lights from different manufacturers. Mm -hmm. So, so at the current projected pricing, it's like fifty percent margin, something pretty like much, that, yeah. which is great. How do you come to that price point? Well, we initially, we kind of looked at the market and what was out there. And so you have systems similar to this going for like three grand. Mm. And forget similar, sorry, not similar to this. They're just Far closets. Far shittier than this. They are, you know, it's a closet okay. that they put in hydroponic uh, equipment and then go for it. Up to you to figure out how to grow. You need to be around your plant all the time, et cetera, et cetera. So, those were going for like anywhere between 1500 and three grand. Um, we wanted this to be accessible to the masses. And we said, you know, we want to maintain a 50% margin because that's how we'll survive and, you know, be a, a profitable company. But at the same time, we don't need to get um, crazy greedy and um, charge three grand, which we probably could. But um, I think that the, there's a lot of power in having as many units out there as possible. Sure. And this community grows figuratively and literally um, within our social network that's also built into the app. So that's also an important feature where you can create recipes for certain strains, right? We're not going to be able in our test grows in our lab to grow every single strain out there. Mm. They're coming up with strains, hundreds of strains every week. So you can create recipes for those which would, um, you know, show... The, the average sensor data, different. what was the temperature that I was using, what was the dosage of the nutrients, things like that. You can share that with other people. You can use other people's recipes. Um, you get points for different things that you do. So that social network as a whole, it also makes it interactive and fun. Mm. So you're not just like at home and there's this thing in your closet and, and that's it. We wanna, we wanna create an experience. Yeah, it might eventually help you with support too, right? Because if there's this great like crowdsourced forum of information about the leaf, you probably find out answers there too. We plan on being the one of the largest um, 
knowledge bases for growing cannabis. Yeah. Because today, if you try and figure it out and you just Google it, there is no one resource that everyone goes to. Um, it's scattered amongst different forums or things like that. It's very confusing, mm. you know? And you sort of need to take tidbits from here, tidbits from there. Maybe see this video on YouTube to get this part of it. Maybe this grow guide, maybe that. So that's also difficult. And we want to be a center for knowledge. The more people grow, the more times they grow, our knowledge base grows. And um, that's just important for the industry at large. And um, again, we're, we want people to have access to growing the best medicine um, for themselves. And in those two early adopters, how much time a week are they spending with their leaf? Right now, about an hour, hour and a half. Okay. And well, they're, it's about an hour, an hour and a half a week that they're talking to us. Okay. And that's more time than they would need to put into it. I think that they're really, um, they're working on it like an hour, but they're probably looking at it every 10 minutes. <laughs> I just think it's cool. It is cool. It is yeah, cool. It is cool. Um, so one of the big arguments against having like consumer grows is that the, the electricity bills, right? The, the resources right. that it requires to grow cannabis is really high. If I put this in my house, is my electric bill going to like go up a hundred times? Mm -mm. We're, uh, you know, it's a small unit. Um, it's about 30 bucks a month worth of electricity. Okay. So nothing too crazy. Again, this is not to grow pounds and pounds and pounds. Yeah. We are helping you consistently grow at least four ounces of high quality cannabis. This is for your personal consumption. Um, you're not going to see a huge spike in your electricity bill and um, nothing, that's nothing to worry about. But the value prop is strong here, man. 1500 bucks, an hour or so a week, and you get four ounces? Yeah. Four ounces how often? About every three months. Three months. Strain dependent, but you could say the turnaround time is about three months. So for me, I, I mean, I wouldn't need to get cannabis anywhere else exactly. ever again. That's it, right? That's, that's exactly it. Yeah. And you know, we looked at the typical consumer, what the, um, the frequent consumer is, and, and we sort of specified that as, as someone that consumes 21 to 31 days a month. And, um, you know, on average, those people are smoking or consuming about 1.2 ounces a month. So it aligns very well. Mm -hmm. And the average cost of an ounce today nationwide is a little over 300 bucks. Mm. And you're always going to get the best, best quality when, when you really make your own. You also know what went into it. Um, there's no guesswork. When you bite at the dispensary, um, you don't necessarily know what the grower put into it. Mm -hmm. um, so outside of Colorado, you know, if you want to put the early adopter program in California, what are some of the obstacles? What are some of the hurdles in, in getting it here? Well, shipping is one thing. It's a big unit. Um, the final unit is going to be sort of modular, so we can ship it in a more convenient way. But right now, we're just we're shipping a, a little mini fridge. Yeah. Um, but other than that, we're just uh, we're being cautious. Um, we're checking people's prescriptions, making sure that they have a mm. prescription. Um, we're not trying to rattle the boat at all. We um, we're trying to stick to as legal. You know, everything needs to be legal, and that's yep. that's important. So, will you also ship the clones or seeds with the leaf, or no. do you have to get those separately? Okay. We are what. So in, in cannabis businesses, there's kind of two high-level um, segments. The first one is touching the plant. What we call touching the plant would be grow operations, dispensaries, 
infused product manufacturers, things like that. And so that's one segment. And then there's ancillary products that don't necessarily touch the plant. We don't touch the plant because we don't supply the seeds or the clones. We'll help you um, with resources on where to find seeds, where to find clones. You can normally find that at your, dis your local dispensary. Um, but we don't touch the plant. That distinction is really important in terms of investors, too. Of course. Because as I've talked to investors, there's really a few types, and some prefer only the ancillary businesses, some want to touch the product. What's your experience with investors? I mean, how many real investors are there out there? You know, it's a good question, because right now, I think that many, many people are very excited about the cannabis industry. It is a growing industry. And what's really powerful about it is that there is an industry here, right? So it's, it's not like this new industry that is expected to be, you know, $20 billion. This is a, in a over $100 billion illegal industry in the United States that we are in the process of legalizing. So the question of is there a market here or not, that, there is no question. And that's already, you know, one thing that you can check off as an investor. Over the long run, there are some legal hurdles that are happening. Um, and and there, those barriers are being brought down. But over the long run, there is a, an industry here, right? Um, for example, you look at, let's say, 3D printing, which a few years ago, people were so excited about it. We're going to build uh, you know, every little missing part in your house. You're going to be 3D. We're going to 3D print your home. And, and sort of it's kind of, I still think, I still think 3D printing is going to be big. But at the same time, the hype has kind of gone down a little bit. And so that's always uh, something you got to worry about as an investor. Um, here, I think that risk is, is there is no risk. Mm. So there's that. The second thing is, for example, if you want to invest in a business that touches the plant, and I know in Colorado, let's say you want to invest in, um, in a, a grow up, right? You need to have residents in Colorado. You need to go to the police station and uh, get fingerprint scanned and all these, like, come on, really? So if, it's just, it's difficult. Um, but if you don't touch the plant, then those federal regulations do not, well, first of all, those, those local regulations don't apply, but also from a federal perspective, you're not breaking the law. Because um, the grow operations and the, the things that are touching the plant are definitely breaking federal law, um, which has got to be a concern for someone that's putting in their hard-earned money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in that way, you almost look to an outsider as more like a Internet of Things device than you do a cannabis product, right? Because you're not really selling any cannabis. No, we're not selling any yeah. cannabis. Um, we consider ourselves a technology company, yep. agricultural technology. Um, it's an Internet of Things device. We happen to be um, you know, growing cannabis or helping you grow cannabis. Technically, you could grow tomatoes, basil, whatever. But and have you done that? No. Got it. No. Got it. And, and, I, and, and we're, we're transparent. This is for cannabis. Sure. Um, if you want to grow basil, there's cheaper systems. And how has the Internet of Things community accepted you? You know, I don't know. Uh, I wouldn't say the community. We've been really immersed in the cannabis community up until now. We're just kind of coming out of the woodwork right now. Um, we've been doing this for about four months. And we'll see. You know, I'm here in, uh, in the Bay Area. We're going to be at a few conferences, Internet of Things conferences. One's happening on Tuesday at Levi Stadium, which is going to be awesome. Amazing. So we'll see the reaction. Yeah. But 
I think I think they're going to love it just like any other Internet of yeah, Things yeah. product that uh, probably more because we, you know we are actually creating tangible value every three months. Mm -hmm. That's you know within the medicine in the cost savings. So it's um, it's interesting when you're growing basil. There are no cost savings. You know mm -hmm. you're, you're spending way more money to make that basil. Right, right. But you have the satisfaction of growing your own and uh, knowing what it went into what went into it. So we paired that with an economic incentive, and I think that's a, a winning uh, combination. So you're out here in, in SF for a little while. You got a couple conferences, but and you're raising money, right? You came right. out, you got a bunch of meetings set up. Sounds like a good time, man. It sounds sounds like a lot of fun. Um, what kind of round are you looking for? What kind of investor would you like to get in the doors? Certain skills that you're looking for? You know, we are um, you know raising a pre-seed round, five hundred thousand. We have a little over half committed, so it's going really well. And really what's important in an investor at this point is that they are passionate enough about cannabis and the industry to not be afraid of it. Mm. Um, of course, there's, there's business skill sets that you know, we, we need a bunch of different things. Um, but a lot of funds, for example, they just cannot get into cannabis right now. Yeah, it's called a vice clause, right? And they just, they won't touch like porn or cigarettes yeah. or unfortunately they're grouping cannabis in that same category. Exactly, right? so yeah. it's gonna take a little bit of time until that changes. Um, mo I mean, all our investors are angels. Mm. They could be associated with the fund, but it's coming out as, outside of as an fund. angel investment. And um, so, so number one, they need to be passionate and, and, and know that this is gonna be a growing industry, that, that these regulations are going to change. Uh, we like to say that the cannabis industry is the smallest it will ever be. And that we say that every single day. Mm. Um, investors should, should recognize that. We, we shouldn't need to sell them on that um, and, and not be afraid to, to do it. Similar to you know, Uber. They were going and still are going against a lot of local reg regulations, but some people had the foresight to know that that wasn't going to be a barrier to technology and to advancement. And here it's the same thing. I would say in this town, a lot more people are more anti-Uber than they are anti-cannabis anyway, which is uh, no comment anyway. Um, cool. So one of the things we like to talk about as we wrap up is like, as you grow your company, what is sort of the culture, the values that you want to instill within your own company? That has been one of the best parts about starting a cannabis company, right? Because I don't, I don't think that I've ever seen an industry or, or you know, an industry, let's call it an industry, where you have the excitement of bringing down real social barriers, you know, this crazy injustice, where people are going to, to prison and their lives are being ruined over a plant. Um, so there's the excitement of having a small part in bringing that down, um, similar to marriage equality, right? And, and the people that are fighting for that. Um, and then you pair that with like the excitement of Silicon Valley in like the early 90s. And I feel like the cannabis industry is, is that together, mm. which is, awesome from a company culture standpoint. Every single person in our company, we're five right now, um, all five of us, not everyone consumes cannabis actually, mm. um, but all of us are either, you know, for me it's, it's social injustice, right? 
I think it's, it's crazy that, that people are going to prison over this. Uh, for some of us, it's the medicinal properties, whether on themselves or on a family member or someone they know, they believe that this can help medicinally. Um, and then for some people, it's um, a huge industry that is, is, I wanna be a part of this industry early on. For most of us, I actually I would say for all of us, it's a, some kind of a mix of all three. So from a company culture perspective, those are things that are really gonna fuel you. Mm. you know? And not to say that other companies don't have wonderful company culture, but we have these two big, big things behind us and that are new, exciting. Um, there's a sense of pioneering. And I think that that's why we've been able to do so much in s such little time. Um, our team is working day and night and not because we're on a deadline, mm -hmm. but because it's just fun and you see the emails that come in, man. And it's like, a lot of them are definitely people that they're growing recreationally, they wanna save money, but there's a lot of people where without a system like this, they cannot get access to their medicine. And we print out all the kind of the, you know, the sobby emails, the ones that really get us fired up. The re most recent one was a woman in uh, Illinois and she's getting, um, they have medicinal marijuana there, but it's really, really strict. And she's getting THC pills um, for an issue that she has. And THC is not helping. She needs CBD. Yep. Yep. They do not have CBD, from what she says, in Illinois. Uh, but she's allowed to home grow. And she says, you know, she's 54. And she says, I would love the leaf system because I can grow CBD strains. I don't need to be dependent on what the lawmaker. My condition is going to get worse having nothing to do with what the lawmakers are doing and how long they take. And this gives me freedom. So that's printed out big on the, uh, in the office. And um, How incredibly rewarding. Are right. you kidding me? It makes yeah. it easy to wake up in the morning and just go for it. Not to mention this is fun and, and yeah. great, but... Yeah, I mean, there's so many startups that, okay, cool, like I'm sharing my pictures of food or, yeah. you know, I can get laid easier, but that's, you, you change someone's life there. Right. And again, you know, it's uh, maybe by chance or not, but you know, in my previous company in Alco, it was a smartphone breathalyzer. And we always said, if we ended up saving one life that just didn't get on the wheel and, and, and didn't get in an accident, or, then that was worth everything. And with this, it's no different. You know, if we can help one person, just one person get access to their medicine that they would not have a, a, another way, then we've done our part. Um, and it's very, very rewarding. Yeah, yeah. I'm also really curious about comparing the culture here, kind of the community, to your home country. You're from Israel, right? right? What, what's the cannabis scene like in, in Israel these days? A lot of people consume cannabis in Israel okay. uh, illegally. Like hash or flowers, or how do they? Uh, over the past few years, it's, it's transitioned into flowers. It's like an industry that is very interesting in Israel because um, it's funny because most of the hash was coming from like South Lebanon or Egypt through the Gaza Strip. So there's always like this sense of, um, you know, where is it coming from and, and whatever. And, and in recent years, there's been more home growing, um, industrial home growing. So it's illegal, but people are doing hydro grows and, and getting and there's a lot of flour. Um, we have a great medicinal marijuana program, one of the most, you know, forward-thinking programs in the world. Unfortunately, it's not more um, accessible to, to patients, mm. um, even though there's a, a ton of patients, but 
anyway. But really in Israel... It's just hard to get a recommendation? It's or? hard to get a recommendation. Got so it. you can't just go to your doctor and get a recommendation. You need to go to a specialized a specialist. They need to recommend it. It needs to go to the Ministry of Health. And then there's a board of a few doctors that need to agree to it. And it's only for a year. And then you need to go through that whole process again. So it's, it's difficult. And not every um, condition... There's a list of conditions, right? So if your condition is not on the list, even though cannabis might help you, you're not going to get it, period. Mm. But from a recreational standpoint, there's many, they say there's a million cannabis consumers that consume at least three times a week in Israel, country of a little less than eight million. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. And, and right now, I'm, I'm really proud to say that there is legislation um, that it, it's, you know, knock on wood again, that it seems like it's going to pass where they would decriminalize small possession of marijuana. They would allow the growth of one plant per home, which would be awesome for the leaf system in Israel. We would want nothing more than to have leafs all over Israel. Yeah. We promise we'll do a Hebrew version if that happens. <laughs> um, it's it's, it's going to take time, though. Like, if you get caught today with with a joint, you're going to jail. Really? Yeah. Wow. Or at least they're going to, you know, they're going to arrest you. If maybe it's your first offense, then they'll, they'll give you community service, but you're not getting off scot-free. You're going to do community service at least. And if it's your second thing, you're going to jail. Wow. And outside of the law, how is the stigma? I mean, like, how does, how does your family feel about what you're working on? There's, I, I, again, I think most Israelis are very, very accepting. Mm. My parents are not consumers. They've never consumed. Um, they're accepting of what uh, I'm doing here. Um, I think in Israel, there's been a huge media push over the past few years to recognize the medical benefits. And, you know, in Israel, they, th there's a, a professor, Rafael Meshulam, he was in 1968, I believe, he discovered THC. He synthesized THC for the first time. He's 86 now. He's been working in this since the 60s, and he's still only doing cannabis research. Mm. So Israel is the most advanced country when it comes to cannabis research. Mm and the medicinal properties, the growing properties, or the agricultural properties, yet from a consumer standpoint and a recreational standpoint, we're in, in the Stone Age. And they're trying to change it now, and uh, it's gonna change. Yeah, it's funny, it's almost reversed here. Because we have uh, such a lack of research yeah. and funding for cannabis in this country, and it's crazy because people paint it as this Satan drug, and yet we know so little about it, really. Is, uh, but anyway. It's ridiculous. And, the, and from a consumption standpoint, you know, most Americans love their cannabis, at least over 55% they that do. consume. They really do. Uh, regularly. So it'll change. The problem is federal regulations need to change. And it'll happen. Again, the cannabis industry and cannabis is as small as it's ever going to be. Cool. We'll wrap up on this one. What's your favorite strain, okay. and how do you like to consume it? My favorite strain is White Widow. Okay. That was the strain that I grew on my own, and until this day, all my friends uh, that are patients, they, um, they, they say it's the best they've ever smoked. That's my favorite. I'm a traditional guy. I like rolling joints. Mm -hmm. There's something... Uh, there's an art to like, you know, rolling in and Agreed, yeah. and all that. So I like that. And but it's so I, much more social, right? It is much more yeah. social. But from a convenience standpoint, I have been vaping, like with a vape pen with a CO2 oil. Yep. And that's extremely convenient. No smell. 
um, so, easy. It's a nice mobile solution. It is. It's discreet. It's very discreet. Yeah. So there's that. But I'm always in my heart, you know, I'm a joint guy. Got it. Well, thanks again for being on the program, man. Thanks for having me. Everybody go to getleaf.co. Sign up to be one of those early adopters. And you, too, can grow marijuana in your living room. 1500 bucks, an hour a week, four ounces a quarter. Yeah, four ounces a quarter every three months. Four ounces every three months, yeah. Amazing, amazing. At J-O-N-I-O-F-E-R, Yoni Ophir. Yoni Ophir, I say it right? Yoni, yeah. Yoni, Yoni Ophir. I'm learning, man. I'm yeah, learning. that's yeah. all right. I gotta go to Israel, too. <laughs> yes. I've never been. Let me know. Shit. Cool. I'll arrange a tour. You can check us out at Cannabis pod on twitter huge thanks to our director jacob making us look all good over here and uh hey that's it for now i'll see you next time guys